1: For me, that wasn't an
2: option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: A word of warning. This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather and today I am joined back again for part two with Rebecca. Rebecca is the author of the book Chasing Normal and Fellow Survivor. Now, if you haven't already listened to part one, please make sure that you go back and listen to that, otherwise this conversation will not make much sense. But for now, let's just get stuck straight back into my conversation with Beck. Cheers. You said that the police had to come and take you from school with perpetrator one so that your mum could get... The kids out of the house and etc. What facilitated the, the removal and everything? Did she go to the police and and explain what was happening or, or what precipitated that?
3: Well, that's a little sketchy. I, I only know that when we were living in the house with my paternal grandfather, the big house, um, my mum actually walked out. I, if, of all the things my mum did right in her life, that was the one <laughs> because. You know, she was also abused a lot in that home. She was beaten a lot as well. And she, one day she just had enough. I I watched her walk out the gate. She hadn't been outside that gate in three years herself. She wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Um, So she walked out that gate and I, she never walked back in. So from my understanding is she actually rang her parents. They came and picked her up a couple of hours away And she proceeded to work out a way to get her children. And now she knew she couldn't go back in the house because they would have just made sure she never left again. Fortunately, my father didn't want custody of us. My my mum had legal custody. My grandfather didn't uh, he did kick up a stink. though. he, he wanted to keep us. Um, so the only way was to go to the police and say, well, I have legal custody of my children. It's not safe for me to go back into that home. Um, so she did completely the right thing by going to the school. Um, but we were just plucked out. Like I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. My, my favorite teacher, I just, you know, still to this day, it's, you know, it's one of the hardest things to remember. Is that I didn't get to say goodbye to my teacher. I didn't get to say goodbye to my friends. Um, it was, yeah, we were just completely abruptly removed. Removed, but um, yeah, fortunately, she had um, legal custody, so uh, we were still. It's funny though. I still remember the policeman um, when we were taken into the staff room. Um, where we saw my mum, and she had two policemen standing on either side of her. The policeman actually still said, "Would you like to go home with your mum?" I mean, I if I could have jumped for joy, I still remember that moment, and I, and I just wanted to burst into tears because I'd actually planned an escape from the house. Wow. <laughs> Only, um, it's like one of my favourite stories in my book <laughs> <laughs> because. I saw this little phone booth at the side of the school, and I went, "Oh my god, I could bring someone and try and leave." And I actually planned it all out, and I, I trialed it the day before and or when I thought of it. And of course, I didn't, I didn't want to go through with it because I knew all the kids would get into trouble for being home late, and I didn't want to get them into trouble. So my plan kind of foiled. But I know the minute my mum asked me, uh, or the policeman asked if we wanted to leave, I'm like. I said, yes, I, I I want to leave, but my grandfather had actually pulled us aside knowing my mum was coming to the school one day. I don't think he knew what day, but he said, he said, you need to stay here with us and if you get asked, then you need to say you want to stay here. I mean, I I didn't argue there and then, but I I was thinking, sweet, my mum's coming to get me.
1: <laughs> yeah, help's coming, <laughs> help's out. on the way, Yeah.
3: Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was. It's definitely an interesting one of those memories
1: that sort of stays with you for sure. Mm. Absolutely, and I guess it just shows, like, you know, like you said, if your mum did anything right, it was that. And I'm so glad that she. I'm sad that you had to enjoy that for so long. That's absolutely horrific. But I'm so glad that you were removed from that home, and that you're not somehow still in that position now because it sounds like mm-hmm. the abuse was rife and mm-hmm. that there's a lot of power and control happening within that house with, with that many women and that many children i'm i'm really scared to think what else was going on
3: well i mean you really couldn't get much more than that i mean there was it was abuse in every single way a physical sexual mental emotional You know, there was so much going on. I I can't even imagine. I think he, you know, as far as ticking boxes, I think he ticked every
1: box. Yeah, literally. Um, You've done a lot, though, to get um, to this space. Um, As you were saying before, you know, you're living on the Gold Coast, you've got um, beautiful children, you're an educator, you've, you've really made a huge life for yourself from that moment. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what it's been like for you getting to this point and a little bit about, I, maybe we'll, we'll we'll call it out and just say we both hate saying the healing journey. <laughs> say your the growth that you've gone through and the education re education that you've had for yourself. Like what what's like that that been for you in the more recent years?
3: Well, I I I will say that I turned forty nearly five years ago now. <laughs> Can't believe that. But when I turned forty, um, I it, it was actually a a very bittersweet day for me, actually, because back when I was 25, I remember having a conversation with one of my favourite mentors in my life, who really kept it real and said, "You know, I had so many things to work on that my that I developed behaviours, terrible, awful behaviours I developed as a trauma response." Um, and I remember saying to her when I was 25, um, "I'm going to write a book one day." And, and I'll probably do it in my forties. And, and when I got to 40, it was, it was, it was so weird because I had imagined my life and I know it sounds really corny and I, you know, you want to slap people and they talk about visualization, but (laughs) that's what I did. I, I had a vision for my life. I, I wanted to have the family. I wanted to have a job. I wanted to be well-educated and I saw myself in a very strange land far, far away of someone that could make it. Um, but I, I, even at 25, I didn't even realise the work I had to do. I mean, I'd already had a lot of counselling by 25, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, healing's not just learning to deal and process with the assault or the abuse, It's it's unlearning the behaviours, you know, the manipulative behaviours, the you know, you're so afraid to trust people and all those sorts of things. So I didn't even know back at the time how much work I had to do. And it kind of, um, you know, as far as recently, I feel more normal, if I can say, that's why I called my book Chasing Normal because that's what I was always chasing, the normality of life. I wanted that. So when I got to 40 and I'd half written my book by then, um, I was really proud of myself that I'd actually achieved what I set out to do when I was 25. But, I, you know, eight years ago, only eight years ago, I had my third and final breakdown, my worst mental breakdown, um, literally laying on the couch, having to... Um, look at objects and remember where i was even pointing to my children and going that is my son i'm still here that is my chair i'm still here i mean i had completely left the building you know when they say elvis has left the building i had was my worst breakdown ever um and um now realizing it was all based on that safety not feeling safe i had chronic chronic anxiety i was having multiple panic attacks a day. I mean, just living each moment was terrifying and exhausting. And I had three little ones. My youngest was two, nearly three at the time. And my husband worked away. So I just had to learn, you know, I'd I'd sort of done all the trauma behaviours, but then I had to learn how to feel safe, how to feel safe in the world and be okay to actually be in the moment. As cliched as that sounds. So it was repetitive in my head. It's okay, Beck, you're here. It's okay, Beck, you're here. And then have to allow, you know, burning sensations of anxiety. Is like, It is like a boiling pot all over your body the minute you wake up. And I, you know, my, some days my legs felt like jelly. Other days I felt like I was dragging concrete boulders around, but I had to learn, no, that's a threat response. Um, My body thinks I'm unsafe and just walking through it. I'm okay. I'm, and I would tell myself that hundreds and hundreds of times a day, I'm okay until I learned I'm actually okay. Yeah. It's just a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of just, you know, that being in that now, like I said, it sounds so cliche, but it's true. It's that's all we have. Um, and I want to slap myself even saying that, but but that is the truth that I've found of life. It is the now. And I, I just had to learn to stop projecting into a future I couldn't predict. Because obviously, you know, anxiety is all about lack of control. We just don't feel like you have control. So you've projecting into the future, trying to control every moment. And I was literally um, trying to control my life, my entire life in one moment every day. And that's why it was just so taxing and why I had my, you know, um, my worst um, and final breakdown. (laughs) It was eight years ago now. Yeah. So I probably digressed there a bit, Maddie, but. um,
1: No, I think it's an incredible insight. Because it is, it's it's not, you don't just get to this pinnacle point where you've unlearned every single trauma response that you've got and you, you know, tick tick six boxes and then you're just completely fine. Um, you move forward, nothing ever affects you again. You don't know when trauma is going to hit. You don't know when these things are going to hugely affect you and you don't know. I think that's the thing, you know, you try and hope and work to build a solid foundation that means when you're having your hardest days, you can deal with it or your hardest weeks or your hardest months. But you Don't know there is no way to plan out and know how things are going to affect you, but once you get through the, the response to that, identifying what that mm. was and working through it is such an important thing, and it's such an important thing to instill in society into the future generations as well. It's okay to be upset about things, it's okay to be mm. anxious, it's okay Absolutely. to be sad, but once we're through the moment of reacting. You know, let's go back and actually assess that. What happened there? What can we do better next time? What do we need to learn? How can we manage our emotions better? How can we manage our reactions better? Instead of just going, it's done now and then moving forward. Yeah.
3: I and I mean I always I always rely on um, you know, whenever I anything sort of comes up for me, I'm always thinking, what do I want? Like how do I really want to feel about this? How do I really wanna be able to look at this? Because currently the way I'm looking at it or feeling about it is not doing me any, uh, you know, it's a disservice to me. If I'm getting really anxious about something, my first thought is, well, what am I thinking about it that makes me feel anxious? And how can I turn that around? What can I think that will ease the anxiety or make it more realistic? Because, you know, a lot of them are falsified um, fears that we have that aren't you know really grounded in any reality <laughs> so, so it's um, how do I get what I want you know if I don't want to be afraid of something how do I how do I approach it how can you know because we everything we think has an impact uh, how we how we feel and what we do with it and it, that's always kind of been my guiding approach what do I want how do I want my life to be and you know like I said when I When I had my third and final breakdown eight years ago, I went, what do I want? I can't do this with three children. I I cannot sustain this life. So what do I want? Well, I don't want to be chronic anxiety. I don't want that anymore. I don't want to have panic attacks multiple times a day. Okay. So it kind of, that becomes my end goal. And then I work backwards and I go, right, what do I have to do stop the anxiety i have to stop thinking everything's fearful it's this is life okay and you know you think i can't handle life well actually that's bullshit because i've got three children they're well fed they're well loved i'm i'm still teaching i have a degree i've got problems but i solved them you know let's let's ground these fears in reality and i was just constantly going through if i want that no anxiety no panic then I have to do these things in order to get that, and it is it's constant reassessment not to the point where you're driving yourself mad, but it's am I doing am I doing what I need to do to become more balanced healthy you know good mind good body that sort of thing so it's it's just this it's like a roadmap it's like a mental roadmap that i that I have and sometimes. You know, it'll be daily exercises and other times it'll be like, oh, hang on, (laughs) I'm running that same thought pattern again, where it leads to anxiety or panic. Where do I need to, you know, divert so that I don't end up back there? You know, some days are easier than others in that respect.
1: I liked what you said there as well about it's rooting it in reality. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't give themselves credit for, like, we know that there are problems like I've had huge problems come up in my life as well, consistent things. You know, once you become, you know, okay and functioning in many ways, it doesn't stop the rest of the world from spinning and shit from happening, but you solve them. You find a way to solve them. Life might get really hard for a period of time. You might have to make some drastic changes, but you've got the capability and ability and support systems around you now to to fix and solve or, you know, at least alleviate some problems that may come your way. There is a, there's a, a step to get over there and you can do that because you have consistently been doing that and looking back on your time and going, hang on, I actually am, I'm doing this already, you know? (laughs)
3: Well, yeah, it's it's building up. I think we forget the resources we have, the inner resources. So I would, um, a lot of the time, particularly in the anxiety recovery for me, was going uh, whenever I told myself I couldn't do something and panic would just grip me, I would think, no, 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 what's my past reference? I've done this before. I've actually, I used to just get absolutely petrified going into the, the shopping centre with the kids and I just think, oh, my God, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I have to stop myself and go, no, I've come here hundreds of times, I'm okay, I can do this. And it's just constantly going, no, that is not true and grounding it in your past experiences, the past reference, and that's how I got by a lot of it. We don't, we forget. I mean, I, I figured the idea is is that, we learn one thing it's not necessarily going to be a replicated circumstance the next time but we can certainly use the skills and resources from the last experience onto the next one so we're not we're not going into the next obstacle empty-handed or without resources we've got them but there's this idea that oh no I'm supposed to have a magic answer no what did you do last time someone offended you or you know you you dropped something or you broke something? Okay, well, you know what I mean? We're not we're not using the resources that we actually have. And and I think you know, the more you get used to going, well, actually I can handle that because I've handled this, this, and this, you become more resourceful, more resilient. And I think you get a wider perspective to understand that that's life. There was, I don't know where this idea that life was meant to be paved and smooth without any cracks or obstacles. Where have we learned this? You know, there's 7 billion people with 7 billion different ideas and ways of living and beliefs and you probably like some food I find disgusting and vice versa. I mean, you're probably going to do dishes differently to how I it's life where we're going to do things differently. And every now and then there's going to be a conflict and there's going to be things that stuff up, you know, we can handle it. It's just, I don't know why, why are we we forgetting our resources that we have? We have them.
1: And I think as well, a lot of the times it does become like this is, it's it's such a huge thing for me to jump over. Like I've got an obstacle in front of me. I can't jump that high. I can't hurdle over that. But like you just said, with that example about going to the supermarket and breaking it down, you know, you can break it down into smaller steps. I've been here before. I can just go into the fruit and veggie section. It's much more open. I've only had good experiences there. The last time I was there, that's fine. And then you're there. And then the next step is going around the corner to the produce section. Like you can break it down into achievable steps. And then once you've achieved one thing, you've ticked it off and you've started to go ahead as well. So I think it's also having discussions like this, where you're talking about how to form better habits and how to create and facilitate safe change and and techniques that people can use. That might not, as a technique, work for some people. That's fine. But that's something that you've been able to do and that I've done Mm. myself in terms of it's not cleaning the entire house. It's not, you know, redoing and I'm not renovating, you know, but I just clean the kitchen and then I will just clean the next thing. Um, And I think that's, that's a really really interesting discussion, I think. And I think it's an important one because we don't talk about that enough.
3: The expectation, I think, for people to be more than what they are in the moment, I I find that such a crippling state of mind for so many people that they have this already have this expectation of something that they're supposed to be able to handle if they haven't been able to, if they haven't done it before. I mean, it's kind of a bit like, when I say to my kids when they worry about something, I'm, I, you know, my ten-year-old, I'm like, "You're ten. Do you think you're supposed to have everything figured out by now? I mean, you're ten. You know, that's why I'm here. I'm here to guide you and support you. And you're not meant to have it all figured out. I'm not sure when you are because I'm, like I said, I'm nearly forty-five and I don't have it all figured out. But you know, it comes back to the reality is, you know, for me, it's also the perspective in life what's important you know i mean we're scared to stuff up now i don't get that we're so scared to muck up but where was this expectation that we're supposed to get it right the first time i don't i don't know the the pressure especially on you know the younger generation where's this pressure coming from it's and it's i think it's crippling i really think it's crippling
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: And I think it all comes, you know, one aspect of it, and I was going to do um, a post on this the other day, which is people's social media engagement. When people are only sharing the highlights from their lives, that's all you see and then you expect that you should only have highlights in your life and it's not yeah. reality. Those people fight with their partners. Those people have yeah. arguments with their friends. Those people get diarrhoea and have IBS sometimes. <laughs> it's like we've all got things that happen and just because you don't see that part of it, you know, and it's hard. You're you're referencing somebody's, the top 10% of somebody's yeah. life. you're um, seeing one
3: frame,
1: one yeah. frame, that's it. And a lot of people said to me, they're taking these breaks from social media and i implore people. If that's what you want to do, if that's what you need to do for your mental health, then then take a break from social media. But my question is, what is it about the social media that you're interacting with? that's causing you to feel anxious and shit about yourself. There were fitness models that I used to follow and I felt crap about my body all the time. I'm like, I actually am quite fit. I exercise regularly, but I don't look like that. A reason I don't look like that is because it's not my job. I don't work out that much. I have another job where I actually have to sit on my ass in an office all day. There's only so many hours in a day that I can work out. I can't possibly do this, you know. You're you're up against a a ridiculous expectation there. But I don't follow those people anymore because it made me, I was comparing myself to them. You know, I follow really wonderful feminist pages now and and body positivity pages and wonderful thought-provoking creators. And for me, social media has become um, a place that I love. I love learning. It's not triggering for me, but because I have made an actual effort to remove the things that piss me off, like I can't, if I have to interact with somebody that's posting shit, I don't care whether they're my friend or not. If they annoy me, maybe I won't unfollow them, but I will mute them because it's just I don't need to see that shit. I don't need to come home to my safe, wonderful house and sit down with my beautiful dog and then be pissed off by a random person who's just being themselves. Like that's just ridiculous. The one who has control there is me to not see it.
3: Oh, and that's that's where I think we need to exercise that control. I mean, find out what, you know, where you feel overwhelmed. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I have told most of my family and friends, but I don't follow them because I'm old school. And I just go, you know what? I don't want to know what they're doing every day because then when I do ring them or connect with them, it's like, well, you're telling me stuff I already know. I, I I like the good old, you know, phone call and catch up. And so I don't follow, I don't follow my friends because I, I want to believe in a way it's still 1991. There's no social media. And I genuinely love to catch up with the people in my life. I don't want to see it secondhand through a, an app or a platform because it's, to me it's not genuine for me and that's just the choices I make and I found um I found that it, it didn't help with my anxiety because there's that like you said before there's that comparison oh my god they're doing so many things i don't do anything i'm quite happy reading a book and you know i said to someone recently that i went to new york on my own back when we could travel like two years ago or something yeah <laughs> i went to new york on my own for 10 days and scared terrified but someone said to me how can do you do that without doing that with someone i'm like well i because I, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek. I love libraries. So I went to the library, I went to the museum, and I just wanted to do my own thing without sharing it with everyone. I'm a bit of a, I, I am a bit of a recluse like that. I love my friends dearly, but I just don't need to know what everyone's doing all the time. I find I that love, so yeah, overwhelming.
1: That. I'm like, no, go and I have your that. coffee in peace and don't tell me about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true, but that's you. And that's like, you tailor your experience on social media and your social media presence to whatever you want. That's the beauty of it. You know, I just don't, what I don't get is people who follow these fitness, fitness in quotation marks models who are airbrushed, who have had extreme amounts of liposuction, fat fillers in their right, you know, areas of their bodies because they want to look a certain way. They've got all of the hours in the day to work out and to have probably somebody preparing calorie controlled meals for them like i'm not saying that they don't have other lives but i'm just saying as so not my reality but i i can't i don't understand how those people posing in a really weird way with like a body like a an airbrush body trying to sell you creatine or protein or something like use my discount code i'm like what what <laughs> What, (laughs) what's the, I don't understand. It's just annoying to me. Don't try and sell me creatine.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not. It's more that it's the fact that, you know, I obviously, I have a daughter and I, you know, I have to talk to her a lot about what, you know, I used to say to my sons, I've got two teenage sons, and I used to say there's an online world and there's a real world. They're both different worlds this is the one we're living this is the one where we only show what we want to see what we want people to see that's not really reality Mm. um but that's how I explained it because now it's my daughter and you know she's getting she's 11 soon and I just think I don't want her to have these hassles I just you know I was I grew up with the Dolly magazine you know back in the day i learned everything that i thought i needed to learn and and then some through a magazine that came out once a month and i mean dolly i used to doctor, look at that yeah dolly doctor yeah
1: i remember Not that old. yeah <laughs> i used to i used to dolly doctor was my favorite like because they that was the only time people would also have these conversations periods yeah. <laughs> sex masturbating like things like that that nobody ever spoke about That was,
3: yeah. Yeah. I liked that because that was my window to fashion. It was my window to women's health. It was my window to things that I could only aspire to buy, you know, and think, oh, one day when I get to Melbourne, I'm going to go to that shop because I was in a country town. So, you know, we didn't have access to the cool fuller shops in Melbourne, gosh. Um, you know, so I like that world um, and I know that my daughter's growing up in a different world so it feels like there's going to be a lot of education for me and just to, you know, there's a bit of sadness there for me because I just think, you know, i I think that a lot of the anxiety is the overwhelm it's the overload yep. of information and people are trying to do everything at once and, like, I've got it, you know, just oh, it's mind-boggling and I just think these poor kids. And, you know, even when, um, you know, people aren't as resourceful, they don't realise they have all these resources. And, you know, there's pages that I look at. I, I have such a narrow window of things that I do do on, on social media, but one of them is I look I look at these anxiety and depression pages and people, so many people, it's great that they have that avenue because I know, you know, back in my day we didn't have that. I'd just ring a psych line at two in the morning or something. But, but um, you know, there's so many people just struggling and, um, and feeling like they're supposed to be somewhere, you know, mentally in a better place, you know, and, and they're not meant to be struggling. They're not meant to be going. It's like who the hell is putting up this these rules of, you know, if I feel like crap, that's okay, you know. So I just I just think. I don't know. There's just so much information out there. It's um, It's too much. We mm. can't absorb it. We can't absorb it all. We just can't. We're not designed to bloody well absorb all this. That's what I mean. Just it. It does come back to the here and now. What can I do now that's within my control? Anything else? I can't do. I, I can't do it. And that's <laughs> is the only way that I've able was able to recover from. You know chronic mental illness that i had for about six years yeah just to go this is all i can do today that's it you want to call me lazy you want to call me a loser you want to call me not hip enough you want i don't care i mean my my this is what i need to look after that's it and i have to impress you and i have to press anyone else i have to keep up with anyone down the road I've got, I've got to live with myself. If I can't do that, it's a hell. It is a hell. I can't, I don't know, I, I can't, chronic anxiety and panic attack, I wouldn't wish that on anyone.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's really difficult to navigate that and for other people who have never experienced that to in any way understand what that feels like because that feeling of impending doom, that feeling of, the lack of control, that feeling of, you know, that you're not reacting in a rational way. You know that you're not an idiot. You you are aware that you are, are not okay in that moment yeah. as well. You can rationalise at least that. Um, and it's a really, really scary feeling. And I think, you know, it comes back to this whole thing as well. And I don't know who is the person who quoted this, but I, I find myself saying this to myself all the time, that comparison is the thief of joy. And that really resonates with me because my personality, my drive, my health, my fitness, my goals, my dreams, who I am, my personality, they are all individual to me. There is no way that anybody else is going to meet my goals. These are just things that you can get along with people on. But why why am I comparing myself to somebody that I went to high school with who's got three Mm -hmm. children and lives in a very beautiful house? with their partner um, and doesn't work? Why why am I kind of going, you know, why am I comparing our lives in a sense? Why am I feeling like because I don't have a partner and kids because I don't want that, that I'm in some way failing? You know, those are the tough questions that you have to ask yourself and it's literally sometimes most of the time I feel okay but those are the questions and you sit back and you go, no, Maddie, comparison is the thief of joy. You don't want those things. That is your worst nightmare. Why are you upset? (laughs) (laughs) I want to go to the pub. (laughs) Why am I worried about living with a man?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's another topic, Maddie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is. It's just having that discussion and going, you know what, have a think about it, like not have a think about it as if people don't already. But if you put that mindset on top of it, I think it's really powerful because I think, at least for me anyway, a lot of my um, previous anxiety and everything really did come from feeling like I wasn't where I needed to be. I was comparing myself all the time to people's bodies, attitudes, successes, um, relationships, statuses, and I think that that's something that's really positively impacted my mental health in the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, yeah, because it's your life. At the end of the day, you're only living you. I mean, you cannot... You know, even if you are trying to replicate someone else's life, you're going to know the dissatisfaction that comes from trying to live someone else's life because we're all unique. We've all got different likes and dislikes and desires, you know. We all have our own unique desires and goals, and they're not all going to line up, and that is okay. I and I think, you know, I always think at the end of the day, is someone going to turn up to my funeral and go, oh my God, I can't believe the house she lived in. God, what a loser. I mean, if they are, then they shouldn't be there anyway. I mean, no one's, we're grieving the loss of someone who meant something to someone. That's at the the essence of you know, of life, isn't it? We're not going, my God, did you see the car she used to drive? I mean, come on. Like she didn't wear designer clothes, really? Like, did you see the cellulite on her ass? Oh my God. Like we're not doing that. You know, we're we're going this is a relationship I miss. I loved this person. Well, that's what I hope happens, you know, with the very few that show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? We're not, we're not, you know that's that really everyone's gonna end up in a bloody wooden box i mean no one with a heart is going to pick on that person for not living my life oh you didn't you didn't keep up with the joneses and have your massive influence no one gives a shit about that at the end of the day and that's what i mean you have gotta keep it real you have gotta keep it real we are human beings we we you know no one gets out of here alive we're can't we just like stick to what means something to us, you know? Yeah, I just think our priorities are a little messed up. It's not uh, I don't know, I think we're kind of losing our way there. It's isn't it? We all want to connect, we all want to relate, feel mm. accepted. That, that is that is it. And I mean, if you're going to you know accept me based on the things that I can lose or burn or destroy, Then I'd have to question whether I've got the right friendship anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. And I know, like, yeah, you and I could talk for hours, clearly. Um, But I do want to say thank you for coming up to this podcast. Thank you for sharing your story, for speaking so openly about your mental health um, and your everything that not only you've gone through, but everything that you've done since then to better yourself in every aspect of yourself. It's mm. really, truly inspiring story. Oh, um, thank you. I do always wrap as well on what would be a piece of advice that you would provide to somebody who may be going through something similar.
3: Um, I think we spoke about this before. Just one, Maddie, just one. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I don't think there's any shame in getting help. That's, you know, that was one. I think that was, for me, um, recognising I couldn't. Certainly at the start with the limited um, life experience, limited modelling, faulty modelling, toxic bloody culture, you know, I realised that I was who I was at the time as a result of all I'd learned. But when I got help and realised there was another world out there with with people who genuinely cared about me and wanted to help me um, and heal based on new information, based on the fact that there were genuine people out there who really did want to help me, Um, that's when, you know, really what got my whole... (laughs) God, I wish there was another word for journey but you know what I mean, <laughs> that was really the starting point was getting help. You know, there's no shame in getting help. We are not born with all the knowledge. We're only born with what we're taught, what we are taught and I know that there are people out there who have, um, like I said, the, the, not only the professional support, but they they generally have your best interests at heart. And I think that was, you know, if I can just throw in another little half a bit of advice, <laughs> that one and a half, um, you know, it's tr- learning to trust people to help. Um, and it, that is so scary to do when you've been, let down your whole life, especially by people you think are supposed to love and care for you. But trust that there is someone that genuinely wants to help you and take it because, you know, you've only got to risk a bit really. So, you know, if that's my one and a half bits of advice.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's really good because I think a barrier for a lot of people is they think that it won't help. Um, and I think trusting that is really important. That's a really great piece of advice.
3: Absolutely. And what if you've got nothing to lose, honestly, and nothing to gain, by someone who who's kind, of happy to, you know, right. pick you up and nurture you and 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 help you, you know, heal? Dare we say, get better, be better? You know. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. there are genuine people out there, uh, and I was fortunate that I had a great counselor and in fact I I wrote a chapter about her my experience with her in my book and I I can't believe this but I tracked her down I'm I'm it sounds stalkery
1: but I tracked her down (laughs) and you shared that with her didn't you you shared her your chapter with her
3: I did. I actually sent her my book and I said, I hope I've done you justice because she was the first person I let into my world. She was really the first person that I, I was a sexual assault counsellor and um, she was, even now I sent her an email the other day and I'm like, every time I email you, I just want to cry because she was incredible. And and look, I document that, you know, I say how hard it was for me to open up, but with the right support um, and most people in those roles, they want, that's what they want to do. They want to help. But yeah, she was amazing. She was she was amazing.
1: Loved That's her. A, wonderful to have that, like, reconnection as well where you've got this person in your life and you can tell them how much they meant to you. That's such a powerful yeah. experience.
3: There's not many people that come back. I mean, this is 20. I was 19. I, I don't even know my maths right now. Is that like 26 years ago or something? And <laughs> yeah, It's a long time. I long mean, time. she was a, like, it became like a mum to me because I only saw her once every two weeks. Back in the day there was still an eight-week waiting list for sexual assault. Um, people uh, victims so uh, god I hate to think what it's like now but you know she remembers me and she was pivotal she was pivotal in my healing because she was you know she understood that it was really difficult for me to even contemplate dealing with all my crap um, and then help me through that so definitely trusting people you know trusting that not everyone in your life wants to hurt you I think that's that's massive, especially when you've been hurt, like I said before, by your whole family, by those that you trust. It's hard to make that step and say, A, I need help, which doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, by the way. Um, what do you expect when you've just been taught crap your whole life? Um you know, it's a bit like monkey see, monkey do. You, you teach a child they're worth nothing and you expect them to feel good about themselves. <laughs> like, it's not even logical. No. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely getting help and trusting them with 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 that vulnerability part of you, you know.
1: That's incredible. So you've spoken a lot and you've referenced throughout this um, your memoir, your book. Uh, where can people access that and how may they get in touch with you if they want to do that?
3: Well, I, I sell it mainly on my website at beckthompson.com.au. Um, so I have it as a because you know we're in this modern world now with ebooks. So you can actually have it as a paperback um, if you're like me and you like to read it in your hands or, or you can just download it from my website. So
1: that's generally where people get it from at the moment. Yeah. Beautiful. I will share the link so that anyone that wants to can um, go and download and read your wonderful book. Um, I've got it sitting there ready for me. I'm ready to um, read the rest of it this weekend. I've put some time aside. I'm very excited. And it's it's honestly <laughs> <About been> it. <laughs> an absolute honour having you on and speaking with you, connecting with you. I know that we'll remain connected for life. I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it just, you can tell when you meet somebody, uh, and you connect in this way as well. And I think, um, yeah, it's really been a wonderful experience. I'm going to have to come up to, um, to the Gold Coast and drag you to the beach. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I know. know. And I don't, swim isn't that terrible i live on a gold coast and i don't swim i can swim but i just don't i know um but i keep saying i need to come back to melbourne it's my birthplace for goodness sake and i just think oh i haven't been there since gosh what three years now and i need to get back to melbourne that's so a coffee of anything
1: yeah i but, mean uh, the no, coffee is the best thing in the world so yeah
3: i miss that's that cool. so much but thank you manny uh, it's been great it's been really great chatting with you
1: this content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode.